Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. It is finally time to do our Ryder Cup preview. I'm your host, George Ellick. I'm delighted to be joined by Odds Checker's very own golf tips and Nile Lions. And welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show to Dave Tyndall. Big signing ahead of the big weekend in Italy next weekend. Um, now, normally, Niall, I come to you first, but you're always a bit of a pain at this time of year, telling everyone that you don't like the Ryder Cup and you're supporting the, the Americans and the rest of it. And I know that uh, Dave's opinion of the of the, uh, of the the Ryder Cup is a bit different to yours, so I'll go to him first, Dave. This is a pretty special weekend always, and, and you're someone who's been on course for a couple of particularly special events. Yeah, I was very lucky to be at Medina in 2012. Um, so I think that was the, probably the best sporting event I've ever been to in terms of just the drama and the the kind of story that unfolded. And I'd backed um, Europe to win 14 and a half, 13 and a half, which was wow. such, a fluke, such a fluke in the end. It, it sort of relied on Tigers. All, all these tournaments. Tigers just got jacking it in against Modern <laughs> Ireland. Um, it's been quite a good event for me. So, yeah, I think I've got... Um, a higher opinion of, of it than Niall. That doesn't sound too hard, to be honest, is it? No, no. You, you, <laughs> I was, I was a heartbroken. I, 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 I was in Carton House for that Ryder Cup on a golfing weekend, and I, 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 had, back, I had back the Americans. So I was in the clubhouse <laughs> after the round of golf, you know, giving us stacks, thinking it was basically home on a boat that evening. And uh, then when Europe were making all the putts and the, the clubhouse was beginning to get really rowdy. We were sitting in a corner. I had managed to persuade the, the few folks that I was away with to back the Americans too. So it was a very quiet corner. And uh, then once Europe won, uh, a few guys came over with f- four pints of Guinness, said, uh, just commiserations, uh, whereabouts in America are you from? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I no, mean- we're, only, we're only cheering on with their pocket here. If if you'd been uh, keeping a close right, I think the Americans touched one to thirty three in running on that last day, which is just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. What had I mean, to happen for it to turn? The idea, Niall, of you know being a mate of yours, which I am, playing a bit of golf with you, which I do, and you managing to get me on board the Americans for Medina weekend, and therefore sitting as a European. Ryder Cup fan cheering on the Americans for what was one of the greatest weekend of sport. I don't think I'd ever speak to you again. I think that would be us done. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I, um, I'm not too partisan when it comes to these things. Uh, mind you, I actually do think you know I, I'm getting there with the Ryder Cup a little bit. Like I, I do enjoy it a bit more than what I what I used to. But I actually do think the build up to it is every bit as good as what happens in the week. I, I love the, the conversation mm. around the picks and you know what can potentially happen across the week. So. Well, let's get into the the preview before we kind of get into the betting picks, which the guys have got. We're going to kind of run through, I guess, the bigger themes around the weekend. So we'll chat about the course and what we can expect from the course. Um, we'll talk about the fact that you know, home advantage seems to now be a, a massive swing with regards to who comes away with the Ryder Cup. Um, we'll talk about, you know, it's, it's a couple of weeks old, but I think given what we've seen from a couple of big players in the last uh, well, last weekend especially, we'll talk about the, the captain's pick and then we'll get into the tips themselves. So kicking off with Marco Simeone. And, and you know, Niall, I remember when we um, did the preview ahead of Paris, at Paris National four years ago, you were pretty bullish in saying that in terms of a core setup, um, Paris National was, was not going to suit the Americans at all. Where do we sit? You know, this is... Obviously, a, a big case is always going to be course fit. Where does does Marco Simeone for you fit in with regards to the two teams that, that are going to be fighting it out next weekend? Yeah, I was quite strong at that time in Paris National. That you know, the betting was the wrong way around simply because of the course. I think this time around, there's not going to be much separating uh, the two teams in in terms of course setup. Uh, now I have read that. The course has been slightly tweaked to maybe suit suit the Europeans that you know the Americans are slightly better from 150 yards and in, and they'll maybe rely upon data like that. But uh, you know, growing the rough like like they did at the Golf National, this is a, this is a different European team, a lot different than what uh, turned up in Paris that week. They have a lot more bombers in the team now than what they ever did. For example, Nikolai Hogard Nikolai and uh, Louis Eberg as well. You know, 
that this is a really strong team for Europe off the tee. And I think they'll need to utilize that. They'll need to utilize their, their length off the tee. You look back to the, the Italian Open in the last couple of years, obviously, won by uh, Nikolai, Moronk, and McIntyre. And all three have been really strong off the tee. Uh, Moronk and Nikolai both ranked first off the tee in those two weeks that they won the Italian Open. Uh, so long game is really is going to be really important. They both rank first tee to green as well. So you, you can definitely conclude that it's going to suit uh, tee to green experts. Uh, the par five finishing hole with water on the left is going to be fantastic for any matches that go the distance. Uh, that's one that really stands out. And let's hope that a right few of those matches go the 18 holes just simply because of that. Uh you know, you look at even McIntyre's winning back in 2022. He ranked 19th off the tee. But in behind him were, were Fitzpatrick and McElroy, two, two absolute ball busters. So uh, in terms of in terms of, of the way the course is set up, I think the two teams are very similar in their games off the tee. And I don't think there would be a huge advantage to either this time around. Dave, it's, you know, four years ago in Paris, it did feel like the the, the course was almost one of the stars of the show. I think everyone watching on TV um, kind of fell in love, especially because the waterholes. Um, do you think this is going to be as good a venue for, for the Ryder Cup? Yeah, I think um, for spectators as well, I think the, sort of the topography um, is good. You, it's quite high up, isn't it? So you can, you've can you got spectacular views. Uh, you can see you know some landmarks in Rome in the distance. Um, so, yeah, I'm with Niall in terms of... Um, I don't think it's so much the course itself, it, the home advantage. It might be more the intangibles, like the crowd, because um, it, it does make a difference. I mean, if, if you go, although I'm about to sort of argue against that now, but if you go back to Medina, seriously, some of the stuff that the American fans were shouting was just vile. They were shouting about Seve and stuff, and it was absolutely horrid. And it's almost if you go too far, that that can be a negative Um you know, I think Europe thought, well, we're not having that. You can't be saying that once one of our legends. But overall, I think, you know, the crowd definitely does make a difference. I was speaking to a, a colleague and friend of ours, Matt Cooper, I thought Niall knows him well, um, about the Solheim Cup, which is this week. Because I was looking at, at the, the home record of the teams there, and the last eight Solheims, it's four home wins, four away wins. Mm. Whereas the Ryder Cup, it's seven home wins, one away win. So it's become a real big and, thing. And the, and the one away win was, you know, touched one to 33 and running, didn't it? To go to the home yeah, side. Yeah. So it's become a, a massive thing, I think, home advantage. And it can be the course to some extent. Europe will do what they can um, to to sort of help it with the, all the clever data that they've got. But um, certainly in terms of the crowd and just knowing the course as well, because Six of the Europeans have played it and actually got good records there. You've got McIntyre have won there, Hoygaard's won there. You've got um, Fleetwood and um, Matt Fitzpatrick have been runner-up there. Rory's played it and come fourth, I think, hat and eighth. So you've got half the European team have played that course and done well on it. And if you look back, there's a lot of players who played the Golf National and, and back to Celtic Manor had done, have got similar good course records. So... It's familiarity, it's some of the crowd and a bit of course set up. You probably know I'm going to go when we talk to who I'm going to tip. But yeah, that, I think it's a big, you put them all together, you've got quite a bit of, of an advantage there, I think. Yeah, and it's not just the fact, you know, seven of eight, Niall, have gone to the home side in recent years in the Ryder Cup. It's also the manner of victory. Like if you look at the last three in particular, given how the, you know, the popularity of the Ryder Cup has, has grown over the years, it's now become a, an absolute beast within within the world of sport. The last three haven't really been very competitive at all. They've all been won fairly early on, on Sunday, if not before. You know, it was 19-9 to the States, uh, a whistling straights. Last time, 17.5, in Paris, and then you know, Hazel time, 17-11 to, to the Americans. Like we haven't really had, well, we haven't since Medina had a proper... Sunday afternoon kind of slugfest. Um, do you think that could be the case again here? That if, you know, it will home advantage to go to the extent where Team Europe could ease a long way clear? I don't know how I'm going to ask you that without giving, you giving away your outright pick, though. Yes, yeah, see at the minute. I, I'm, not even, I'm not even totally sure of what way I'll go in the outright. It's, one, yeah. it's, it's, it's a hard decision. Uh, but yeah, as, as, as we've said, home advantage is only twice since 1997. 
has an away team won, which is incredible. Uh, but as you say, the data they've got to go on, they, these these guys could try and, you know, tweak an edge, like, you know what I mean, which, which, which they could. But certainly on paper, uh, this is one of the closest match Raider Cups, I would say, in recent history. Uh, and also the course as well, as I've mentioned, it, 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 it looks like it's very hard to separate the two on, on you know, on either side. So, yeah, I'm hopeful of getting a really close match this time. Fingers crossed. Let's look at the captain's picks, which, of course, dominated the headlines um, a week or, or two weeks ago, depending on which team you're looking at. Um, Luke Donald, Team Europe's captain, um, selected uh, Ludwig Aberg, the hottest property or young property in golf at the moment. Um, Tommy Fleetwood, Nikolai Hogard, uh, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, and Sepp Stracker. It kind of felt like six uh, or seven had to go into six there with... Um, uh, the Italian Open winner Adrian Moronk missing out and and kind of releasing a statement afterwards expressing his disappointment in doing so um, and then with uh, for ZJ US captain it was uh, Sam Burns Ricky Fowler Brits Kepka Colin Morikawa Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas we'll, we'll kick off with the Americans here Dave and, and it kind of felt like they all maybe picked themselves apart from JT who was woefully out of form uh, or has been basically all season he put in a decent performance last weekend where did you sit or stand with the uh with the Justin Thomas um selection Keegan Bradley one of those unfortunate to miss out yeah but Bradley was sort of hinting along along the lines of it's a bit of an old boys club um mm. and he's not in it he's a bit of a loner maybe um but I'm afraid that's kind of you know it's a team event isn't it um a lot of it is dynamics and you know the team being greater than the sum of its parts so you don't just pick what look like the 12 best informed players and that's the end of the argument you look at bigger things than that and obviously JT is massive in the dressing room I know people can get a bit well I can't cope with that I need stats to back you know the golfers there are things like that the, the mental side of it and these added extras intangibles so I thought JT was a, a perfectly fine pick because I don't know there's kind of out of form and out of form it's not like he's sort of he misses when he swings and he's, oh, I've missed that one. It's like 15 on a hole or something. It's it's quite, it's a, it's a bit more subtle than I think people were making out. And if you look now, his last two PGA Tour events, he's come 12th and 5th. I mean, is, that, mm. is that a player out of form? So I know the, the 5th has come since he, he got a pick, but then that maybe was part of why he came 5th because he's had to knuckle down, he's had to work hard on his game. And to be honest, a lot of the Americans, have, I'd be slightly concerned they haven't played much recently. So Thomas has, has played and come fifth the Fortinet. So I, I was fine with it. I know I, I can see the argument if you're Keegan Bradley and a couple of others that you'd be a bit gutted. But uh, if you're trying to win that cup, JT, who was the top scorer in Paris in an away Ryder Cup last time, I thought it was fine. I wasn't. I had no problem with it. Yeah, I, I was actually looking at the, the birdie or better statistics as well a couple of weeks ago. Can't remember exactly where he, he, he fitted on it. I think he's around 30th or f between 30 and 40 in the PGA Tour this year. And there was only, I think, five or six of the American team above him and the rest were actually below him. And you look at birdie or better, better stats, you know, is perfect really for a Ryder Cup. As you say, is... Any disasters, double bogeys or triple bogeys from them aren't really going to matter. Probably won't matter anyway. So uh, even when you consider Justin Thomas to have a, a poor year by his, his standards, he can certainly turn up here and, and do a job, and I expect him to. I would say Sam Burns, of anyone, uh, took Keegan Bradley's spot, uh, and it wasn't necessarily Justin Thomas. I was quite surprised by the, the Sam Burns Inclusion. Even despite the, uh, the the match play win, and you know, it feels like if if uh, you know Jordan Spieth and, and Ricky Fowler had something to do with the uh, JT selection, then Scotty Scheffler seemingly um, yeah. was the one behind Sam Burns getting picked. Yeah, absolutely, it looks that way. And uh, obviously, Burns could could benefit from that hugely uh, playing with Scotty Scheffler. But I would argue that Keegan Bradley could have brought, uh, you know, a real a real you know, fight and dogged determination in this uh, in this game that they really need. And, uh, yeah, I was quite disappointed to see Brad Bradley admitted because 
he adds a lot to the game and he's quite boisterous and I think he, he adds a fair bit to the Ryder Cup team. He was very good, wasn't he, with Mickelson? In, yeah, Medina. Uh, Medina, yeah. Um, Feels like and, he's got unfinished business with the, with the whole thing after that, doesn't it, really? Yeah, and you wonder, I know he, he said he's a bit of the, an outsider, but you, you think, well, having seen him in, in that Ryder Cup, you think, well, is he an outsider? I don't know, but as, we, as we'll come on to with Europe, it, you can't just play them all, can you? But it's, it's like when you get a you know, football, you say, oh, they're good enough to to finish top four and you, you go, yeah, but I'll finish top four. <laughs> who's, drop, who's dropping out then for that to happen? So, you know, that's, you know, at the end of the day, there are 12 players and that's all. Dave, that's a whole new podcast that I could do about <laughs> perception of success and failure within football, but we'll get onto that another time. My um, team hasn't finished in top four, anyway. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a strange game that was last night, 4-3. Oh, real strange one. Really strange. <laughs> Very different uh, match to the scoreline. I think if you saw the scoreline, you think yeah, you just tune into yeah. this. You watch the highlights, you yeah. think actually, what was that? Okay, another time. Let's 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 stick with the golf. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, as we say, um, JT will be there, and it does feel like um, Zach Johnson has, has basically ensured that his key players or star players are happy with the selections. Um, with regards to, to Luke Donald and his pick, as I say, it was kind of seven into six. Um, I think we all knew who the ones in contention were, and one was going to fall out. Uh, Adrian Moronk was the one who did. With, with Ludwig Eberg, Niall, it feels like there is a kind of divide here where if you are like a, you know, a, a major, you know, he's never played in a major before. He only turned pro in was June or July. If you're someone who basically tunes in for the, for the four majors and the Ryder Cup, you're going to be quite surprised to see someone on the team who you've never heard of before. However, anyone who seemingly played with Eberg or knows anything about him was he almost the most likely of the seven to get in because he is such a prodigi- prodigious talent? Yeah, well, certainly past Fleetwood and, and Justin Rose, he, he he was the third most likely to get in for me. Uh, I was really lucky enough last week to walk. I, I backed him at Wentworth and, and I went over for a few days and I walked both the 18 holes with him on, on, on Friday and Saturday and I was absolutely blown away by what I've seen. Now, you would be given the two rounds of golf that that he, that he shot on Friday and Saturday, but uh, on Friday playing with Hovland and McElroy, out driving them by fifteen twenty yards, I was saying to a friend like, you know, they're going to be crying out to play with them in Rome. They really, really are. Uh, I was Could struck be a fight by between those two, couldn't it? Yeah, I, I think probably Hovland will win that fight, but I'd love to see Rory play with them. To be honest, I would love that to be the first pairing uh, out on Friday morning. It, it, would, it would be class. But yeah, and I was struck by his... Echoes of Rory and, and Peters. Obviously, Peter's not quite the same kind of yeah. talent as but, you know, the, the rookie coming in at a young age who hits the ball miles and, and you know, they struck up an unbelievable partnership. You know, I wouldn't rule it out being McElroy because, you know, Hovland debuted last time. He had five, Hovland played all five games last time and didn't win any. So, uh, McElroy could win that argument. Uh, and it, would, it would be great to see. Like, I was struck by his demeanour Throughout what I've seen over those couple of days, really, really charming guy. Really good way about him with the crowd. Really good way with him with his playing partners. Uh, you know, I texted Ben Coley at the time saying, you know, move over Jordan Spieth. There's, there's a new favourite in town. Uh, I, I'm so excited by Aberg and I, mm. I, I can't wait to see what he does. Uh, I think Donald got all six picks 100% on the money. Uh, Moronk was the one who missed out and I think the only thing that would, might have left him, left Donald with egg in his face if Moronk had a won the BMW <laughs> at Wentworth which I'm sure for, for a while was was certainly a worry uh, Larry was obviously the big talking point you know in, in week form across the year really but uh, you know I, of them all I would argue that, that Bob McIntyre who will get on to later on was the, was really the one who took uh, Adrian Moronk's spot and not Shane Larry. Obviously, McIntyre qualified. You know what I mean. So you, you can't mm. uh, you can't knock that at the same time. But if there was any of these twelve to drop out, you know, if Donald was to make it, had to make a choice for one to leave and another one to come in, the the one dropping out would undoubtedly be Bob, Bob McIntyre. Dave, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe that someone could win a tournament on the course that's been used for the Ryder Cup a few months earlier 
having finished second second there before as well and not be on the team when but then again I come back to all right so hold that thought but then who's missing out then and you go through them and I just can't find anyone who I'd move aside possibly Hoiberg um but um Hoygaard even, so he was watching mm. too much bloody Man United. Um, <laughs> I support Liverpool just for the record. Um, <laughs> why I was watching that, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to to who who you would have left out. I suppose, I wonder if Niall would have had a different opinion if he'd watched a bird play on Sunday and whether that does no. mean anything. Because under the cosh in a big event, he's kind of come up a bit short there. Does that just show his inexperience and maybe is that a slight concern? Yeah, well, I, I, I did wonder about that too, but I, I thought, uh, you know, leading it, leading, certainly leading into Sunday, I was beginning to think that, you know, he, he could possibly play five matches. And then after that, I'm thinking mm, probably not. But I don't think the change in conditions helped him on the Sunday there at Wentworth. You know, the sun was splitting the trees for three days previous to that. And then, it all of a sudden got cold and windy and rainy over the final day. And of course, the two that he played with, I think they, they all they all brought each other down that final day. So, I, I, you know, it's only one round of golf at the end of the day. And I don't think you can read too much into it, especially because he's uh, so inexperienced. You know, delayed, you know, the flagship event comfortably after three days, I think was it was it. A big enough feat in itself, and I think obviously there'll be better days ahead of that. So, uh, it, I think it just could maybe make Donald's decision that he doesn't play five matches and possibly four. There's also like a, a precedent, I think, for top players going through a, a bit of turbulence before kind of hitting the heights. Like you think back to you know, even at different times of their career, you think back to Scotty Scheffler, who led the PJ Championship early on in his major career and, and kind of threw it away when Colin won. You think of the way that Cam Smith bounced back after, you know, the, the Masters defeat by winning by winning the Open. Jordan Spieth obviously had a few occasions early in his career. Like it feels like for Aberg, if he's going to be in contention, surely the learning off that Sunday is going to be massive. And if he is standing over, you know, if he's got a singles game, which is going to be crucial to to, to turn in the Ryder Cup, you probably learn more from blowing a lead in, in that kind of style than you do from coasting to victory. So maybe this is just me being having team Europe tattooed on my arm that is making me say that stuff, but we'll, we'll see when it comes to the weekend. Um, there's got to, there's got to be an element as well that get them in early, blood them early because you know, you're looking down the line at future Ryder yeah. Cups. Um, and is Moronk 30? Moronk's a little bit older than you think, isn't he? So maybe yeah. in a sort of bigger picture, maybe that, that could have. Yeah. He's 30. Yeah. That could have maybe just helped as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's get into the actual uh, betting side of things. We've been talking long enough around it all. Um, on the odds checker grids, you can see that um, USA the price varies from kind of 21 to 20 with Sporting Index. We're really sticking their neck out and making their views pretty clear um, to as short as five to six with Bet365. Uh, Europe, five to four uh, with Paddy's Betfair, Betfred and Livescore with the draw 12 to one. Now you've already said you don't really know where you're going here, so I'll come to Dave first. Um, Dave, who, who are you putting up for the uh, to win the Ryder Cup? Yeah, Europe, um, and mm. decisively, yeah. Um, it's very easy, isn't it? To at the time when you're watching, this is the whole thing with the Ryder Cup. But you're in such a bubble at the time, and people end up saying daft things, especially the players themselves. You know, Rory will come out and say that's the best week that's ever happened in the history of mankind. And, <laughs> and they'll just go crazy. And it, it sounded at the time, you think, yeah, well, it worked. But then you step back from it a bit and you think, well, that was, that was a bit much, possibly. Um, so I think when we watched America win at Whistling Straits, there was all this talk of, oh, you know, look at these lot now. This is a generation that they're going to blow this thing apart for years to come. Um, but as that kind of fades into the distance a little bit, here's a quiz question, right, for you. Um, in that Ryder Cup at the time, John Rahm was world number one. What was the next highest ranked European player in the world rankings? Um, just, you don't have to name him. Just give me a number. Oh, oh a number? Uh, or you can so say the player and the number if eight. you want. 13. Yeah, 14. We didn't have wow. another player in the top 
Um, wow. Um, Who yeah, was so it? Rory, Rory was Rory. 15th. Hovland was 14th. So you forget that we went into battle there with a team that weren't doing it. So Rory down at, yeah, yeah. at the lowest he's been in, like, ever. So, you know, the away... You're playing on a way to with a team that clearly wasn't anywhere now. I mean, you look at you look at the world rankings this time. We've got McElroy second, Ram third, Hovland fourth, Fitzpatrick eighth, uh, Hatton eleventh, Fleetwood fourteenth. So it's, it's very very different uh, to back then. Um, so I'm disregarding what happened. I mean, we've had Liv as well, haven't we? Liv has clearly had an effect on the American team. I'd say more so than our than the European team because we. I can say we. Can I say we? Yes, I can yeah, say yeah, we. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've lost kind of players who were getting on a bit, who were coming towards the end of their Ryder Cup careers. So we needed new blood. And I know DJ's a young buck, but clearly they would have wanted him here. Mm. They've got Kepka, but then there's there's others who might have been sort of ready uh, for this. So Taylor Gooch might have been ready or in a better place than say Sam Burns to be on this team had he stayed. So that splintered it a bit. And it's just, I can't get away from the fact that the Americans haven't won since 1993 on the European soil. And that was their only win since 1981. I mean, it's, it's terrible. You, if you back the Americans as favourites on European soil, it's, a, it's just a, a poor strategy. They've not had it all the time. But when I look down at the, at the betting, when they have been favourites, um, I think that there's three times maybe this century and they've failed every time. So I just think it, it's a poor strategy to back the away team when they're favourites and especially the Americans. The Americans on home soil have seemed to have got it sussed. They always seem to to, to win now on home soil, Medina being a sort of freak exception. But away from home, don't know what it is, whether they just don't travel so well as a team. I mean, individually, they can go to other parts of the world and do well. But as a team, I don't know quite what happens to them. But all you can go on is the record on paper, and theirs is appalling from mm. a way to I imagine back in, you know, in another sport, a team at that price that consistently never won away. You wouldn't, would you? You just wouldn't do it. So I think you're. I know, a, I know you're a, you're a, you're a man for the trends, Dave. You say I am, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm I'm like slightly on the other side. Like I, you know. I was shouting from the rooftops that, you know, seven to four and 15 to eight Europe, like, you know, five or six months ago was, was an absolute silly price. And I do think the batting's about right now, but, uh, I'm on, conv- I, I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence and thinking that, uh, you know, you, you mentioned plenty of European Raider cups that, you know, the Americans haven't performed in, but I, I think they might have like, one of the best teams, uh, are a lot better team now than what they've had on other uh, European soil rider cups. And even if you look to just to counter your argument a little bit, like you look to the last three months, total strokes gained over the last three months. Now, Rory and Havland are top of that list, but the Yanks have eight of the top 11 golfers, it's eight three in the in USA favor in strokes gain total over the last three months. And it, it kind of looks similar over the last six months as well. But, but and, where where have they done that all on American soil? That's my, what would be out on most. They say that there might be a bit yeah. of Scottish opening there, but um, I don't yeah, know. I get that. I, I get that, but I do, think, that. I do think like, you know, obviously the setup in Paris was, you know, a big influence in a result like that. And uh I just don't see that the same the same way around here in Rome. Uh, what about Glen Eagles and Celtic Manor? Because I always think it's the same argument that that's put forward. Well, yeah, but it's going to be different this year. Look at them. Look at all the stats and their world rankings, uh, and it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I get you, but I'll go into this later on as well. I think I think Europe have like a serious. This is quite harsh, you know. But seeing especially as he qualified, but I think they have a serious weak link in Bob McIntyre. Uh, people might label that upon you know, one or two American golfers coming here as well, but I don't see it that way. Uh, I do. I, I, 
I think the betting's about right. That's why I'm sitting on the fence mm-hmm. in terms of an outright bet. Maybe I'll make a decision over the, over the next couple of days. But, you know, at, at, at the minute, seeing, you know, you were either were 8 to 13 a number of months ago, I think it, when USA goes, you know, slightly odds against, that that's enticing me more than anything. We'll come on to kind of the players in a second before we do, Dave. I know there's a couple of correct score fancies you've got as well. Um, Europe 16-12 is, is 18 to 1. And uh, we've also got Europe uh, 15 and a half, 12 and a half, uh, which is 16 to 1. Both of those with live score bet. Yeah, I mean, it's quite it's quite ambitious, isn't it? I'm not just going mm. for them to, to nick it. Um, I just think that it's like the weight of history you, you see in sport. There used to be the case for like England missing penalties. They're not just missing the penalties on that day. They've got all the teams that have missed them in the past. So I think if this goes against the Americans, all that kind of talk is dragged up. Why aren't you failing again on on the European turf? What's going on? And I think it just starts to get away from you. And it, and sometimes if, if the matches are done fairly early on on the Sunday, you can then get and they play these sort of dead matches out to a finish. You know, what's what's the motivation there for the for the American team there? Some of the guys down the bottom of the order, they just sort of want to get off the course. I can remember in Paris, I think it was Alec, was it I think it was Norren was still out there. That people were cheering him on to beat DeChambeau and he did, even though the match is dead. So mm. I just think the score can maybe it can look tight for quite a long way for the first few days, and then it can just maybe get away from you. So I think the advice would be to always back a couple of score lines because you know you can feel yourself so unlucky if you miss out by one guy missing a tiddler or being conceded. Or you could go on the handicap, I guess, when we see those markets and I'd have Europe to win by by two or three margin. I would think is that mathematically possible? But whatever it is, um, I think the Euro- Europeans might win this handily. So yeah, I'm against you there, Niall. Just uh, one for the trends as well, Dave. The correct scores only two of the last 15 renewals have ended with no half points, like a 14 half, 13 half. Only two of the last 15 have resulted in a you know a straight you know 16 12. There's always been a half point in the, the in the scoreline and 13 of the last 15. I'll put that down as a silly trend, though. Yeah, <laughs> unless I you can back it up with hard logic. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. That. I can't. Yeah. At, um... At Hazeltine, I'd backed, I'd dutched the two 17 and a half, 10 and a half, 18, 10. And after USA had won, it, it had basically won. It like the, the bet had won. And then out of nowhere, Martin Keimer just decided to just absolutely fly home against Matt Kuchar in the last five holes where the Ryder Cup was lost and beat him one up on 18. And that's one of my worst ever beats. I, could, I remember sitting there being like, what has just happened here? Like the, the thing's over. What are you doing, Martin? Last time he played good golf, I think. Right now, time to look at the uh, players in themselves, and we're going to kick off with the total. Sorry, the top event point scorer. Um, this is up on the odds checker site. Scotty Scheffler is the seventeen to two favourite. As short as thirteen to two elsewhere. That seventeen to two is with Bet Goodwin and Quinn Bet. Rory McIlroy second favourite at nine to one. Patrick Cantlay twelve to one. John Rahm twelve to one. Victor Hovland also twelve to one. Uh, 14 to 1 for Zander Shoffley, uh, Morikawa, Kepka, Fleetwood, all 16 to 1, 20 to 1 bar those, including Spieth, Hatton, Homer, um, and a few others. And uh, one you like here, Dave, uh, both in the top event and also top European. Yeah, John Rahm. It's pretty um, an, an amazing uh, pick, isn't it, uh, John Rahm? But, um, well, it depends. If 12 to 1 winner would be pretty amazing. Well, yeah, the, the price is, to be honest, okay. I think, I think basically, if you're going to uh, Nail McCullers to Europe, then obviously I think uh, one of the overall event scores will be a European, and it's de- def- definitely John Rahm. If, if you look back to uh, Paris, at the time he was world number eight, he only played three matches. You sometimes think Rahm's been maybe going a bit longer than mm-hmm. uh, you think he has at the absolute top, top level, but then he was a little bit sort of nervy on that occasion. He, he, he didn't... Um, Win his first two matches. Then he played Tiger um, in the in the singles and won that. He hold a long think, putt, didn't he? Yeah, it was yeah. a bit of a turning point because at the at the time it wasn't like it was a great time for the Europeans and they were winning and everything, but he wasn't quite part of the party. Um, so to be, I know, I know beating Ta- again, you've. You've got to sort of almost remind yourself the context of the time. You think, oh, he beat Tiger, but Tiger got no points in that Ryder Cup. 
2018, um, which is a bit weird, isn't it, since he won the Masters not that long after. But, um, yeah, so I think that was a turning point for Rahm. I think he needed a sort of iconic kind of scalp to take and what bigger than Tigers. And then you move on to Whistling Straits and he becomes Europe's top point scorer with three and a half, one of the very few successes uh, that week. Uh, teamed up with Garcia, obviously that won't happen this time. But you look at him now, I mean, now he's just absolutely incredible, isn't he? You know, he's won a couple of majors. Uh, he's he had, he had that burst at the start of the year when he was, I think he won three in a row and then maybe four out of six or four out of seven. And he, he's gone a little bit more quiet since the Masters. But I think what we have seen of him in recent times, he's had these incredible bursts of scoring. I just think that's sort of perfect for a Ryder Cup where suddenly you get on a bit of a roll. Um, he can suddenly, say, contrast to Abo, who got kind of stuck in the final round at Wentworth. Rahm had a few sort of poor starts and just kind of bludgeoned his way through them and got, got hot again. So I just think he's so... Just the you know the presence of him, he's such a, a leader, isn't he? Just such a sort of intimidating figure. I think he he can absolutely lead the charge. I think Rory's maybe just is his back completely right? He's just sort of gone off a little bit. Um, I think Ram will play five matches as well, so he's got every <coughs> chance of of um getting as many points as you can. And yeah, I, I and the final thing I guess to, with with him. Is I mean his record everywhere is good, but when he comes back to Europe, it's phenomenal, isn't it? John Rahm when he comes back to play on the European tour or, or on European tour, it's just it's absurd. So I, I expect him to just be an absolute huge presence in this in this Ryder Cup. And as you say, I don't think the odds are too bad actually uh, for for overall. I think mm. it's, it's a slightly underrated market that one. I think if you do really fancy someone, and um, I think you've got every chance of landing in both markets overall and just. Uh, you know, top country one or top uh, European one as well. Not unsurprisingly, you're sticking with the American markets here, uh, given your allegiances. Um, where in the top USA <laughs> point scorer, we've got Scheffler five to one, uh, Patrick Cantlay six to one, Zander seven to one, Morikawa seventeen to two. But it's Brooks Kepka who's nine to one um, with Unibet, Bet UK, and Bet MGM. A short thirteen to two elsewhere. Sorry, short six to one elsewhere. Who who takes your fancy? Like I'm. I was pretty surprised when I saw you um, yeah. put this. Like I, I, I was. I, I'm, I'm a bit in Paris. Now. Yeah, I'm a bit in Paris, <laughs> looking at Brooks Capra and thinking he would rather be anywhere in the world than here. And, and why isn't that going to be the case this time around? A lot of it for me is to do with the price. I think nine to one that's out there is just uh, a little bit too big. Uh, obviously. He arrives here with a fifty percent, uh, a fifty percent win record in all of his matches. He's averaged four matches across uh, uh, the three Ryder Cups that he's played. He's won fifty percent of those, and that's pretty good. Uh, I think, Mac I think McElroy has exactly a fifty percent record as well, maybe. Just over fifty percent, and Justin Rose, I, I think, is out front in, in terms of in terms of Europeans. Uh, but Kapka's got a de very decent record, and I'm a, I'm always one if you're looking to a top, uh, a top country bet in particular. In this, that you're quite confident he can win a singles, and I think Kapka is a quite a intimidating character in the singles and, and anyone would do well to beat him. He's had three singles matches so far in his career and he's won two and he's half the other, so he's unbeaten in the singles. Uh, but I just think, uh, obviously, I, I, I do think Schaffer will go with Burns. I do think Burns is a slight weakness and I don't know. A lot rests on that as well, I think. Uh, the decision by Zach Johnson that if Schaffer and Burns are paired together and they don't get the points, then you know, on their heads be it. I think it'll, you know, be a big negative if, if they don't get any points. But there's not a whole, obviously you've got Cantley and Schofler as, as well. And, you know, is, is Justin Thomas going to be used as much as what he usually is? You know, he's, he's played five matches. Uh, well, once and I think four matches the other time that he's played. And Jordan Spieth uh, often plays five matches. But in terms of the rest of them, they've got four rookies who will get max three 
I think Kepka has every chance of getting four and maybe five this time around, just given the golf that he's played this year. Just as I say, nine to one is is the thing that tempts me the most. I just don't think he should be uh, that big. And I, I think if Europe, in the course setup, try and force the USA to play from longer distances, from 150 yards to 200 plus, then he's more uh, equipped than really anybody on the side to deal with it. Uh, so yeah, I'm going against the grain a little, but uh, I do think there's, I do think there's method to the madness. I, I would, yeah. The, the obvious uh, counter, probably what George is saying as well, is I don't think he's a team player. Hmm. Um, Niall can be David Brent talking about Noel Edmonds. He's not doing it for himself. He's doing it for himself. <laughs> I, think, I think he is doing it for himself. I, th- I think when you look at his. Um, I know you quoted his record there, but I've I've got him playing in four team events. If you add in a President's Cup, and he's only had a winning record in one of them, which was the first Ryder Cup on American soil, maybe in his comfort zone. So the last three, I think he's, I think he's gone. He's he's got he's cultivated this so sort of image of you know I'm going to win all these majors, and it's a bit like Tiger. I mean Tiger. As much as he wanted to be, he he couldn't get past the sort of individual side of things um, in Ryder Cup. Tiger's Ryder Cup record is a bit of a blot, really, isn't it, compared to his overall career? I just think Kepka's in that mould. He's so focused on himself and he's trying to win majors. I, I don't know. He's a bit of a divisive character, I think. I think he sort of rubs people up the wrong way a little bit. I think he's... 12 matches he's played, though, Dave. 50% record's pretty good, you know? But is it enough to, you know, to, to to win this market? You need to be scoring. Well, it's enough to warrant the nine to one. I think top USA. Like I'm not back on yeah. top overall or anything, you know. But I think the nine to one's big enough, certainly given his record, and you know the four rookies that are in the team. I kind of get the argument on the price, and maybe we're back to this point as well. Well, if not him, who? And I, yeah, I, I think when you go through the others, there are doubts. I mean, Scheffler, will he just miss putts? Will will that sort of turn? Possible wins into half matches uh, when he plays. Um, Space just had a baby, which could maybe, um, you know, time a little bit. Because um, they, they came over, didn't they? The Americans came over to do a bit of a reconnaissance. Yeah. Space mm. didn't come over. Neither did Cantley or um, Shoffle. Do we know why they didn't come? It just had personal reasons. Yeah, fam- uh, Zach Johnson said family reasons. Obviously, Jordan Space is. Yeah, it's obvious it's enough, but I think they had. I think he said they had family commitments of some sort, and that 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 brings up another point that that I wanted to mention. I do think, you know, when you talk about uh, the history of the Ryder Cup and their and their record on European soil and stuff, I do think they have a more cohesive team nowadays than what they ever had. Uh, obviously, you've you had some real misfits looking back. You know, on the USA team, guys like Boo Weekly and. You know, Brad Water. You'd some strange names in there, like you know what I mean. But nowadays they've got, you know, obviously a real bunch of the best in the world. But I think they've got a much more uh, friendly team, a much more. Uh, they're they're all friends. You know what I mean. Maybe Brooks Kapka might not be, you know, really in, in that full. But nevertheless, I still think he, he's quite popular, and I quite like Kapka myself. But. Uh, you know, Mickelson, Mickelson and Woods kind of divided the, yeah. the team down those years as well. Like, and I definitely think, even looking at the photos there from Rome, of all sitting around drinking and having wine and stuff, it's not something that you would have seen back in in the late nineties and through the two thousands. I think I we the, if, you, if you think there's no weak link and they're all sort of really good, I think it's harder than to to pick a, a top point scorer because. There's so many who stand. Yeah, that, that, that's where the the price, that's where price comes yeah, into well, it. I guess, like, and if you get yeah. nine to one about Kepka, you know, just to beat, you know, eleven others of which four are are uh, almost certain not, or only to get three matches. Uh, you know, it, it's going to give you a chance. I think we need to rattle through our last picks. So I'm going to move the conversation on quickly. Dave, you've got Max Homer in the same market here, um, who is eleven to one with Ball Sports. Yeah, um, he played really well in the President's Cup, didn't he? Um, he played with Fino on that occasion. I just think he is a, a real kind of team bonding guy. I think anyone would be happy to uh, to play uh, to play alongside him. 
um, played in the 40s. Now, I mean, a lot of a lot of them might just be a little bit ring rusty, um, the Americans, but Homer played in that event, one that he always does well in. Um, and he, I thought he enjoyed himself when he came over for the Scottish Open and the Open Championship. I thought he, you know, he just looks like a guy who somehow will enjoy the bigger picture. Like he'll probably sort of go do all the tourist stuff in Rome. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just like him as a guy. I just think he'll be good for this sort of event. And and the, the sort of supporting evidence being how well he played in the President's Cup. Um, I did write down a quote from... Fina, where he said something like he was Mr. Clutch or something like that. So he's a sort of player who can get inspired. And again, I thought, I just thought it was a decent price. I think he, he's quite versatile in terms of who you might put him with. Time to look at the rookies now. Uh, and Niall, in um, top event rookie, uh, it's Sepp Stracker, who is uh, eight to one best price at the moment with Skybet, who's taking your, catching your eye. Yeah, like a couple of these rookie wildcard markets. Yeah, I'll start with Stracker. Uh, in terms of all the rookies that, that are at the event, I think Straka has a, has a huge career ahead of him. I've been really impressed by him uh, this year. And I think 8-1, to one, you're getting uh, each way three places in, in an eight-man field. Uh, I think it's quite a nice price and quite a nice bet. Uh, obviously, the majority of these eight will only get three games. I don't know whether anybody, any of them will get four. Uh he gave a bold account of himself at Wentworth last time out, finished 10th. He was decent at East Lake as well. Obviously, had the runner-up at, at the Open and, and won the John Deere previous to that. So I do think he really belongs in this company. And he's one I've got earmarked maybe for majors in the next couple of years. I think he could outperform his odds. Uh, I don't even know what odds he is for the majors, but if you consider uh, Sepp Straka as one of Europe's best 12 at the minute, mm. I would imagine he's quite you know far down the betting. And not there, and he could be even in Europe's top eight or whatever. You know, come come the next twelve months. Uh, yeah, I, re I really like the trajectory of his career's on, and I think it'll continue. Uh, we look at the top wild card, quite like, uh, or is it no top rookie? Uh, top USA rookie. Yeah, Brian Harmon. Nine to two. Uh, I think Plenty will look at Brian Harmon. I think he, he he's a weak link in this American team, but. Uh, I just think there's a few arguments to suggest that he, he could go well. Uh, people obviously looked at his length and stuff off the tee, but Royal Liverpool wasn't exactly uh, a picnic in that in that regard, and there was there was plenty of sluggers towards the top of the leaderboard. Uh, you know, in Detroit as well, what a, a course that really favours the Bombers, Cam Davis, Tony Fina, DeChambeau and Fowler, the last four winners there. Uh, and he finished ninth. Uh, then you went to the BMW at Olympia Fields, one that's an, another one that's been dominated by longer hitters. Uh, he finished behind Hovland, Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, and McElroy. You know he, he's a, he's acquitted himself very well on on, on those long golf courses. Uh, and uh, you know obviously he's one who could you know on and around the greens you know can be an absolute wizard and a real dog. And I would imagine he can be in these. In these uh, match play matches, so yeah, he's one <clears throat> definitely to keep on the right side of across the week. I think. Yeah, Brian Harmon, then the top USA rookie. I think. I mean, I, I get what you were saying earlier about um, Scheffler being a short price in some markets because he's going to be paired with Sam Burns. But I think you can kind of flip that on its head, and in that in that four runner market for Burns to be eleven to four, when you can pretty much guarantee he's probably going to play twice with with Scheffler, and and if they got off to a fast start, maybe more. Like if they win their game early on Friday, then then who knows how much they might play together, in which case it must be 11, 11 or 4 in a four-runner race when feasibly at least two of the other four might play twice. Like, you know, it just seems like a, a big price to me. There's my me sticking my oar in uh, before the end of the of the show. Uh, finally, Niall, um, turn off now. Uh, any <laughs> Scottish people watching, but Bobby McIntyre um, to come away pointless at 11 to 4 is, is the final selection on the show. Yeah, I quite like a pointless bet <laughs> in the Raider Cup. I, I like to have a sweat on somebody winning the matches. I think we matches. had um, we had Phil, didn't we, four years ago? Yeah, was that who? Well, I was trying to remember mm. who it was that I backed to win the, no points before. Uh, if you remember, just jumping in, if you remember back to uh, Glen Eagles, another Scott got zero points, Stephen Gallagher. That's right, yeah. 
was on yeah. home soil, so yeah, maybe. So Mark and Tarkin following his footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I don't see really a natural pairing for him with anyone, really. Uh, you know, when you look at even Sap Strachan, I think he could possibly go with Ram at some stage, and uh, I, I just don't really see a, a, a good pairing for McIntyre. Uh, now, you look at the stroke, I mentioned the strokes gained over the last three months, and you look at the strokes gained over the last six months and 12 months, this makes really, really poor reading for Bob McIntyre. He's comfortably the bottom of the list of the full 24, but by a long, long way. Uh, over the last three months and six months, just to name a few here above him, Adrian Dumont de Chassar, Paul Casey, Romain Langasque, Jordan Smith, Juice Luton, Alex Noren, Adrian Moran. All these guys have gained more strokes over him over the last three, six, three and six months, which is quite alarming, I think. And you take in the fact that he doesn't really have a natural parent uh, in the team. I think he, he could struggle. And I think he's he's the favourite out of the 24, only to play two matches. Even though I, I'm not sure whether Donald will do that, whether, you know, he sits out a player for entire day. It's, it's not it's not a great thing to do, even for team dynamics. I don't I don't, I don't know whether he'll do it or not. But he's definitely favoured out of the 24 to play two matches. And, yeah, I, I struggle... I think he'll struggle against any American as well in the singles. The the, the only counter argument, and it's a fairly obvious one, is he's won on the course. Yeah. So how do you how do you sort of bat that one away? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I just can't. I, I can't back that one away. But uh, they surely also. If you know, just look at his form over the last few months, obviously the the, the real close call in Scotland stands out. But there's plenty of poor finishes about him. He, he he hasn't convinced me lately at all. Also, the, the, the core setup for these events compared to in a kind of strip play event is obviously different. Like they want players to basically score well in, in match play events. And so therefore for, for Bobby, where maybe with the, the rough small penal and there's more of a, um, I don't know, a, a waiting towards short game, it's, it's easier in a, in a weaker field. But if it's going to be a birdie fest, you have to think up against a lot of these Americans who might struggle, as, as Nars has given his recent record amongst the field. Um, there you go. That is our Ryder Cup 2023 preview coming at you from Rome next weekend. Thank you very much to Nala Zeva for showing us tips and insight. And thank you to Dave Tindall as well for joining us on today's show. Uh, hopefully a brilliant weekend, uh, maybe a bit tighter than the last three coming up in Rome at Marco Simeone uh, next weekend. Um, hopefully some value in there too. Thank you very much for taking the time to watch or listen to this Odds Checker betting show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can find plenty more preview content across all sports over the coming weeks and months. And uh, yeah, make sure you download the Odds Checker app for the best prices. Bookie offers free bets. Nars tips straight there as well. Uh, and most importantly, please ensure that you gamble responsibly and enjoy all the golf.